Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. WFAN New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf, and I have my usual bunch of various topics to cover this morning. So let me get right into the very first one. And of course, our phone lines are open for you at 1 877 337 6666. Now, you've heard me for years talking about the influence of sports psychology and how we as sports parents and coaches often spend so much time working with our young athletes getting them to focus on the physical aspects of the game that I fear we don't spend enough time discussing the mental preparation that goes into top performances. That is, so much effort is put forth into the preparation of the actual physical skills that we overlook the aspect of mental preparation when it comes to competition. And the truth is, sports psychology is a, well, it's a, it's a relatively new discipline. I mean, back when I was in college, not only was there no courses or even books on sports psych, well, the entire concept was basically looked down upon. I mean, no athlete ever admitted that he or she wanted to talk about the, the pressures that accompany their involvement in sports or, or how to find a way to improve their, their performances in games by, by working on their mental approach. Now, fortunately, times have changed, and they have changed for the better. These days, well, just about every professional and every college team has at least one sports psychologist involved with their program. But that always wasn't the case. When I started in 1989 with the Cleveland Indians, as far as I can recall, there was really just Harvey Dorfman, who worked with the Oakland Athletics, and he was the one who recommended me to the Indians. And that was about it in terms of sports psychology coaches. I mean, very, very few teams back then believed in sports psych. Now, I give you this, this brief history lesson because I'm going to introduce you to the next generation of sports psychology. That's right. There's a new website which represents the next step in sports psychology for today's young athletes. The website is called minddesignsports.org, and the founder and creator is Brandon Shintani. Now, I very much urge you, or, or better yet, I ask you to have your athletic son or daughter, or if you're a coach, to have uh, the kids on your team check this website out. Why? Because Brandon has put together a very smart very engaging and very well-crafted resource 
that is specifically aimed to today's young athletes, kids who want to know more about the mental aspects of sports that are presented in a way that they can easily understand and can relate to. And, and here's the best part. Did I mention that Brandon happens to be a 16-year-old aspiring basketball player at Ridgewood High School in New Jersey? <laughs> yes, that's correct. In the fall, Brandon will be heading into his junior year in high school. He's a most, a most impressive young man, and Brandon Shintani joins me this morning to talk about Mind Design Sports and the resources it provides to athletes. Brandon, good morning. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you. Uh, and I realize you're a teenager, and getting up early on a Sunday morning is not something you're probably <laughs> accustomed to. But I, I really wanted to get you on the show because I do think this is a very cool, very exciting uh, resource you've put together with this web sword. Now, I have to ask you, Brandon, what, what first drew you to the world of sports psychology? What motivated you to put together this website? Sure, yeah. So my mom always studied uh, psychology, and she actually majored it in college. Mm-hmm. And she introduced me to psychology. And then last year, I took AB Psychology, which is advanced placement um, psychology in high school over the mm-hmm. summer. And I was reading the appendix of the back of my textbook, and I saw a little paragraph about sports psychology. It's very brief, talked about breathing, and then I was interested. So I did some more research on it, uh, listened to some TED Talks, went to YouTube, watched some videos. And I was really intrigued by it because I was an, I'm an athlete myself. Right. I'm always looking to improve. And I never really knew about the mental component. And I realized that. In retrospect, now um, most of my pregame anxieties or negative emotions came from my, my mentality. Right. So I knew that younger athletes like me kind of struggle with these problems, and I wanted to create this resource for someone out there that needed it. And um, I kind of wanted something like that to lean on when I went through tough times in sports. So I thought that would be helpful, and that's why we do it all for free. Well, I'll get to that in a second, uh, because that's an important aspect of, of your website. But, again, you, you're an athlete. Your, your sport is basketball. That's your primary sport, correct? Yep. Yep. Do you, when you were going through this process of discovering, for lack of a better term, uh, the whole field of sports psychology, uh, have, have you been finding yourself applying some of the sports psych tips to your own game when you practice basketball? A hundred percent, yep. Like breathing techniques. So box breathing is my favorite. It's very simple. Um, I kind of just give a brief overview of it. Basically, you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, and hold for four seconds. So it's four seconds, four ways, which makes a box. Mm-hmm. And this will help you um, calm down. Um, you can even do this in a timeout because it only takes 16 seconds. You could do it before a game if you feel anxious. It's really easy, and it helps you focus and get in the zone. And that's my favorite technique. And I also like to journal. So I've been on a 370-day something like that, a streak of just daily journaling and trying to be grateful for what I have. And that's really um, transitioned on the court as well because I feel more happy and I like to play the game more. Yeah, I mean, these, this is, this is <laughs> you're getting into the essence of sports psychology, and, and obviously there are lots and lots of other areas uh, that I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll share with uh, in, on the website. By the way, the friend, the friends, the, the website is uh, minddesigngames.org, and, and uh, I'm sorry, minddesignsports.org, and we're talking with uh, Brandon Shintani, who is the creator of this really cool website. Uh, in fact, you, you, designed, you designed the website yourself, correct? Yeah, correct. So it was the summer of last year, and I was just playing with the designs, and I just took like a month or two, tried to play around with it, and I liked this design, so I kind of went with it, and I also did the logo and all that. Yeah, okay. And, and friends, by the way, we're taking calls at eight one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. What's What's unique about your your website is that you have already 
assembled a large uh, number of volunteers from around the world who all share your, your passion and, and, and curiosity about sports psychology. I find that to be mm-hmm. very, very cool. H- how did you do that in terms of getting the word out? How did you spread the word uh, to people, to young athletes? Because it's primarily it's designed for young athletes uh, to come to as, as a natural resource. Uh, how did you make that happen? Yeah, so for the volunteer side, I started with my close friends from high school and the people around me. Yeah. And then they started sharing it as well. And a lot of people actually resonate with our message a lot because um, they also agree that the mentality is important, but there's not really a resource out there for younger athletes. It's mostly for these professional athletes with all the resources and coaches. Mm-hmm. But there's not really one for, you know, middle school athletes or elementary school athletes. So we just kind of shared it. And people also ask us to join, like, on uh, social media, through email. And um, as for our viewers, we kind of – we're on all social media platforms, so Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and we provide content all those ways. And mm-hmm. a lot of young athletes like to um, digest information, absorb it there. That's helped us a lot. And, um, yeah, I think just because we're really unique, people kind of that kind of attracts us organically. Yeah, I mean, the fact is I realize uh, you are well-schooled in social media. That obviously helps to spread the word. And the fact that it is mm-hmm. uh, you found this niche uh, of an underserved area. I mean, look, the, the reality is with sports psychology, uh, it's usually aimed primarily at the elite athlete, elite athlete being somebody who's already in college, uh, or somebody who's perhaps a professional, somebody perhaps at the Olympic level. But, you know, sports psychology, uh, like any profession, costs money, and it's it's hard to find any high school athletes or middle school athletes who have the financial resources to, to be able to seek the, the help and aid of a sports psychologist. But this is different. This is an open sort of forum resource. I mean, you have blogs, you have podcasts, you have advice on developing athletes, uh, everything from how to develop your own self-talk, uh, how to bounce back from adversity, uh, pre-game mental preparation, and, and a lot more. I mean, there are all sorts of resources for any youngster uh, who wants to really pinpoint whatever they are interested in in terms of uh, sports psych. Uh, what kind of reaction have you had uh, so far from this, Brandon? Yeah, a lot of people have actually been emailing us and Instagramming us that they really enjoy our content, specifically our mentorship program where we connect high school athletes with younger athletes um, in middle school and elementary school. So we, um, a lot of younger athletes kind of seek that mentorship because everyone's competitive and they want to have that competitive edge. So they um, seek our mentorship program to connect with the high school athlete that's in a varsity sport, and they kind of ask them questions about the mentality aspect of it or even, like, regular general questions about, like, nutrition mm-hmm. or how to develop a better shot in basketball. And it's really just open form, like you said, and it's general, and we just always try to provide help. And a lot of people have also emailed us about our podcast, saying that we like the topics. And we've actually had Ron White, a USA Memory Champion, on our podcast, and we got a lot of love from that show because we talked about how memory impacts sports, which mm. is very unique in its um, own way. Mm-hmm. And um, lastly, yeah, like, our blog's, our blogs are really unique because it's all written by high school athletes and college athletes. And we know how to connect with these younger athletes because we are athletes. We're literally going through the same thing as you guys, just at a higher level. We have more experience and we want to share those um, solutions to how to tackle common problems like pregame anxiety, like I said. You know, you mentioned uh, just a second ago about the, the, the mentor, uh, the relationship that obviously is building very nicely on, on your website that the uh, you know, older athletes, perhaps high school or even a little older, are serving as mentors or are providing 
you know, answers uh, or insights to younger athletes. I mean, I, I, I can't, I just don't know of any other resource that exists like that. I mean, where you're, you're connecting these kids uh, who obviously are all have this common denominator of sports and all these kids want to get mm-hmm. better at their sport. Uh, but you're, these, these kids are connecting. And, and, it's not, it's, and you, of course, it's all different sports. I don't want to make it sound like it's just basketball. Right, right. It's, all, it's a whole variety of any number of sports here. And somehow there's a way that these athletes are finding mentors and having their questions answered and so on and so forth. That's, that's pretty cool, Brandon. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's a really uh, helpful resource, and it's really to all the um, mentees' convenience. Like, whatever they need, we try to help them in an appropriate manner, and we always try to emphasize the mental aspect because that's really important. And once athletes really acknowledge that and understand that, their performance is going to be skyrocketing. How do you – I mean, look, you're a high school kid. I mean, you're going to be, you know, uh, going back to school in the fall. How do you find the time to, to oversee and, and do all this? This seems like a, like a full-time endeavor. Right. So since I'm the leader, I have a bunch of um, executives under me and I just try to manage them and they manage their own branch and departments. So, for example, um, I manage like the blog editors and my blog editor manages all the blog writers. So we try to have that like structure down so it's very efficient and everyone can manage someone else if possible. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, whenever I try to find time, I try to contribute my ideas. I'm checking with my members and um, really, it's something that I really like to do, so I'll make time to do it. And that's kind of my philosophy. Like, you, you don't have enough time. You kind of make it for the things that you like and you put on the priority list. Yeah, I, I, as I said, it, it's just uh, very unique. I, I haven't encountered – look, there are lots and lots of, of uh, blogs, websites out there, obviously on sports psychology or on sports parenting or coaching. We know that. But I've never encountered a – a, 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 a website that deals with sports psychology really aimed at, at the younger athlete. When I say younger, I'm talking, you know, middle school or kids in high school. And it's all sort of basically, um, you know, populated by, by young people, young athletes who are sharing advice and insights and explaining things about the, the mental aspects of sports. It is extraordinary. And, and, uh, I, I gather, Brandon, this is going to be something you're considering maybe down the road once you finish high school and college and make this into a, a full-time career for yourself. Is that possible? Yeah, it's definitely possible. I really think there's a large potential for this um, field because it's really growing, like you said. And um, a lot of younger athletes are probably going to be seeking it and using it. So if we find a way to really help all athletes, I think it will be a really effective um, business or endeavor in the future, definitely. Well, I, I'm impressed, and that's all I can tell you. And I, I, as I said early on in our conversation, I would urge uh, all parents, sports parents, athletes, coaches, to check out minddesignsports.org. Uh, it, it's it's really a cool website and something that, you know, let's face it, kids today, you know, there's always that, that generational gap that maybe they don't want to talk to uh, a grown-up or an adult about some of the concerns they have when it comes to the performance in sports, whether it's just the pressures or the ups and downs or dealing with a bad game. But if you turn them on to minddesignsports.org, they're going to be able to find somebody uh, perhaps closer into their age who can, you know, give them some insights, some thoughts, some, some, some comfort, give them some guidance as to what, what they can do to improve and to make progress in their sport. Brandon, I, as I said, this is really cool, and I thank you for getting up early on a Sunday morning to join me. Brandon Shintani, uh, continued success with the website. And, uh, yeah, I will be curious. It would be, be fascinating to see how your, your website and your presence grows over the next few years. Yeah, thank you so much, Rick. This was really a pleasure, 
and I hope um, everyone takes advantage of this resource and checks out our website. Yeah, that's terrific. As I said, I just want to point out, by the way, friends, this is uh, just a compendium, uh, this resource of open ideas. Uh, no one claims that uh, on the website that they have completed uh, you know, studies in psychology or that they're licensed or, or, or whatever. It's just an open forum where athletes and, and kids can talk about uh, you know, what, it, what their concerns when it comes to improving their game, and it, it really is very, very impressive. Brandon, i got to run. Thank you again for coming on, and again, we'll be curious to see how this develops in the years to come. Thanks, Rick. Talk soon. Thank you. Again, that's uh, Brandon Shintani, 16-year-old uh, rising junior at uh, Ridgewood High School in New Jersey. And uh, I tell you, this website, it's minddesignsports.org. It is his creation, and it's worth taking a look because, and obviously telling your, your youngsters about. Okay. Uh, after uh, the break, uh, when I come back, I want to talk about a couple of ball players. Uh, who made news last week uh, when they were drafted by Major League Baseball. Uh, I also have, uh, I feel compelled to make a comment about the new Cleveland Indians nickname. And I also want to talk a little bit about my own, uh, my own first introduction to sports psychology. But as you'll hear, it comes with a bit of a twist. It's a, it was a, it's a bit different. Anyhow, one 337 6666 When I return, we'll carry on. Stay with me. I want to make a passing observation of the new Cleveland Indians nicknamed the Guardians. Now, did you just hear that catchy song that Ed Arzuman played coming out of the break? Cleveland Rocks? Well, as some of you know, I worked for the Indians as their first sports psychology coach back in the 1990s, and I am very proud of the work I did with that team. It was an awesome, awesome ball club. But as for the new nickname, well, i got to be honest with you. Guardians... Sounds more like an insurance company. I, I just wish they had gone with Cleveland Rocks, which would obviously pay homage to the comedian Drew Carey's TV sitcom back in the day, and, and that show's popular theme song. And, of course, as many as you know, the, the, Cleveland, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is located in Cleveland. Cleveland Rocks would have made a lot of sense. But then again, uh, maybe the Colorado Rockies may have had an issue with the team being named the Rocks too close to the Rocky Mountains. I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. But I, don't, I do know that Guardians really doesn't seem to do it for me. It's, uh, it's supposedly related to a bunch of statues on a bridge in Cleveland that are called the Guardians of Traffic. I'm not sure if watching over traffic is the most inspirational theme for a major league ball club. But it is what it is. Uh, it's too bad. Cleveland Rocks would have worked in so many levels, and I could just imagine the, the you know the ball club taking the field at home games, uh, you know, to that catchy song from the Drew Carey uh, TV show back in the day. But it is what it is. All right, moving on. Now, I got to tell you, thinking about uh, Brendan Shintani and how youthful he is in the world of sports psychology, it sort of got me to thinking. The very first time I ever heard about sports psych was back in the 1950s. When my dad told me about uh, Bill Veck, uh, the maverick and iconic baseball owner, uh, who had hired a hypnotist to come in and to try to mentally focus and train the players on the hapless uh, St. Louis Browns team. Uh, Veck owned the Browns back in the day. The Browns were a terribly bad baseball team, and, and not surprisingly, uh, the hypnotist, a fellow by the name of Dr. Donald Tracy, uh, who was hired, he really didn't have much of a measurable positive impact when he worked with the team. Yeah, he, he apparently tried to get them to focus on, on, a, on a gold pendant that he dangled back and forth and to try to get them to relax and to, to sleep a bit and to focus and to think positive thoughts about their game. 
But let's be honest, before you can actually improve or elevate your mental game, you first need to have the requisite physical skills and talents, which unfortunately the St. Louis Browns really didn't have. In any event, my dad, uh, you know, he was inspired by the idea of mental influence in sports, and he actually brought Dr. Tracy onto a Washington Senator's TV broadcast. Dad asked Dr. Tracy to try and hypnotize the listening audience to go out and buy RCA television sets, which was the main sponsor of the Senators games back in the 1950s. And, and no, I am not making this story up. It's all true. In any event, not only did this attempt at mass hypnosis not result in any better sales of TVs, and again, Tracy came on, the, on camera and was you know, using his, his, uh, his pendant to try to convince uh, listeners, the viewers, to go out and buy, and buy all this stuff, but it didn't work. Um, in fact, it was just an abysmal failure. In fact, the very next day, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, uh, called my dad and told him it was illegal to try and hypnotize uh, a viewing audience. So please, please do not ever do that again. And, and I'm glad to report that my father didn't. <laughs> That's the end of the story. But I got to tell you, in a way, that was uh, hypnosis. That was my first introduction to the possibilities of sports psychology when I was just a kid starting out. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, I do want to pass along some updates from last Sunday. As you recall, last week we were talking about the number one pick, number one pick overall in the Major League Baseball free agent draft, uh, being uh, Hen uh, Henry Davis out of the University of Louisville, who, and he hails from Bedford, New York, Fox Lane High School. Uh, I also mentioned an unusual story of a left-handed pitcher named Rohan Handa out of Yale, who was selected in the fifth round by the San Francisco Giants. Now, I want to add into the mix, the longtime uh, sports ed listener, Dr. Rob Freed, reminds me that in last week's draft, a 17-year-old uh, high school senior, Jacob Steinmetz, was drafted in the third round by the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's, uh, Steinmetz is originally from Woodmere, New York. Uh, he's 6'5", throws apparently in the high 90s, and is apparently uh, the very first Orthodox Jewish athlete to be drafted by Major League Baseball. Jacob uh, keeps a kosher diet, and in keeping with his faith, uh, he will walk to games, or does walk to games, on the Jewish Sabbath. And by the way, Steinmetz's dad, Elliot, is the head basketball coach, a very successful head coach at uh, Yeshiva University here in New York City. But, yet there's more. It turns out that Jacob Steinmetz was the first Jewish Orthodox player to be selected, but yet another Orthodox player was selected in the same draft last week. The Washington Nationals selected a young man named Eli Kligman with their final and 20th round pick, making Kligman the second observant Orthodox Jewish player ever drafted. And according to various resources, Kligman, who's 18, he's seen as being a, a potential catcher, but has also played shortstop. He also throws in the 90s as a pitcher. He's a switch hitter. And he sounds overall like a terrific young athlete. Uh, Kligman is from Las Vegas. Uh, apparently, he's also a tad more observant than Steinmetz. Apparently, um, or Steinmetz uh, does play on the Jewish Sabbath, uh, although only if he's in walking distance of his hotels on the road. Uh, he does not use transportation. Kligman will not play and does not play on the Sabbath. Uh, as he said to the New York Times a few uh, weeks ago, that, that that day of Shabbos is for God. I'm not going to change that. Um, and his dad, Mark, is a lawyer, 
a licensed baseball agent, and he actually represents his son. It's an amazing kind of story of all this. Anyhow, the bottom line is I'm glad to say that baseball, uh, which you know has a lot of issues these days, we all know that, but they continue to grow and attract top athletes from all over and from all sorts of backgrounds. Um, that's good for the kids, and quite frankly, it, it's good for the game. Uh, you know, I, in fact, um, let me um, let me bring in uh, Rob Fried right now to talk about this. Rob, good morning, and thank you for uh, for the heads up about these two young men. Oh, uh, you know, yeah, Rick, thanks for, thanks for bringing me up. I thought it was a fascinating story. I actually wanted to watch the uh, Israeli uh, before they head out were heading over to Tokyo. They played a exhibition game out here on Long Island, and, and they look really really tough. It's, they're playing the U.S. Uh, uh, on I think this week uh, in their second game, so mm-hmm. it's great. It's great to see that, and and it's a fascinating story. I did catch that because I, I mean I grew up in the, in the town uh, in the five town area on the South Shore, so I I know a lot about that area, and that that area has changed dramatically as far as very orthodox down there now. But yeah, this kid seems to be the real deal, and at the seventeen years old, you know, to throw that fast. But I wanted to call you today, Rick, because. I want to throw something else out at you about what you were talking about today, this, this uh, sports psychology. I saw an amazing film. It's called The Fifth Man. You should have this gentleman on. Uh, it's a documentary on this uh, coach, Paul Limmer. He was out of Memphis. He's one of the top uh, track and field coaches. He had a young girl named Christine Curtin who went out to Stanford, and uh, Mark Belger, who almost made the Olympics. He's, he's probably the top track and field a uh, Long Island coach of all time. And, and here's my point I want to bring about, and it goes kind of what you're talking about today, sports psychology. Paul was way ahead of his time as you were way ahead of your time. Athletes look up to coaches. Now, you talked about psychology, but here's something that I think is really important for the coaches of the youth as well as high school coaches. To me, a great coach is something that has that ability to bring the best uh, out in their, in their athletes. And this is something all coaches should look to do mm-hmm. because it's part, of the, it's, it's part of coaching, is psychology. And to me, you know, I still am very fond of my college coach. I speak with him. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, and we talk about different things and how to train. It's something that a good coach – will have such a lasting imprint on the athletes in their whole lifetime going forward. And I'm sure, Rick, I don't want to leave you with this. I'm sure for you, okay, to have a, a kid come back to you and say, you know, Coach, I'm so, I'm so glad you taught me. You taught me about life. You taught me about after my athletic career to go about and use the tools that you gave me. And I, 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 I would like you maybe someday to, you know, to you to share if anybody's come back and talked to you post, you know, graduation, the influence you might have had. And that's something I think, you know, coaches need to do because it's psychology 101. And thank you for so much, and, and, and thank you for all the great work you do every Sunday. Well, Rob, and that's obviously thank you uh, for my end. Obviously, uh, I, I salute you for bringing, making me aware of these two kids, uh, the Kliegman kid and the Steinmetz kid. These are obviously top athletes, and, uh, you know, thank you for making me aware. And to your point about the, the, the importance of coaches, yeah, we all, as coaches, we're all competitive. We all want to win. That's why we're involved in sports. 
but uh, it goes hand in hand uh, with the idea that we have to what we want to develop and have a positive long-lasting impact on our athletes uh, and if we're lucky enough uh, and, we, and we do have a chance to connect with these youngsters as they go through their their high school or or college careers that you know uh, it's just a wonderful wonderful sort of extra benefit that these these athletes as they grow and, and mature and go into the real world and then, you know get jobs and have families themselves that they feel they want to stay in touch uh, and one of the great great uh, joys of my coaching you know some years ago when I was at Mercy College is that so many of these athletes that I work with back then still stay in touch with me today I mean they, they as I said it, it's just a, a great great sort of afterglow of, of the impact of, of working with with youngsters in sports and of course teachers know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, my wife was a longtime English teacher up in Chappaqua, and, and you know, she still gets uh, notes and texts and emails and, and Facebook stuff from former students. Uh, in fact, she was just acknowledged this past, uh, you know, spring at, at one of the high school graduations at, at Horace Greeley High School. One of her uh, students uh, referred to her, you know, uh, when, from back when uh, the student had her in, as a, a middle school in eighth grade English. So the point is, if you if you are really serious about being a coach or about being a teacher and having a long positive impact upon your students your your student athletes this is what it's all about and to Rob's point that's exactly why we get involved in sports because we do want to have that you know that that sort of nice sense that yeah we all won uh, or win or lose we still have and we're getting a sense of how to be prepared for the rest of life and I think that's incredibly incredibly essential to sports and obviously it all ties in with sports psychology and it ties in with with coaching as well okay when I come back after the break I want to continue to talk about coaching in fact sort of a different angle on this because in particular I've been sort of sensing a trend in recent months that at the youth and high school and club teams that somehow we're returning to a more disciplined more restrictive kind of approach these days and that is that coaches are returning to a taking a tougher stance when it comes to working with their athletes and what's curious about this trend is that it sort of runs totally counter to the main theme of this very very popular hit tv series called ted lasso uh and i i want to see if you're getting the same kind of vibe as i am and whether you think this this we're going in different directions when it comes to working with young athletes all right one eight seven seven three three seven. 6666, yes, when I return, we'll be talking about Ted Lasso. I'm curious to see if you've seen the show and what you think of this main character and uh, whether your kids relate to this guy as well. All right, let me take a break. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. The sports Sports Radio, 101.9 FM. The fan, WFAN. And back here on the Sports Edge, you know, Richard Neer, He's an old rock and roll guy. I bet you he would like the, the Indians to be called uh, the Cleveland Rocks as well, obviously with the, the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Anyhow, Richard comes along at 9 o'clock this morning. I'll have to track him down and, and get his thoughts about uh, the Guardians as opposed to calling the Cleveland Rocks. Anyhow, uh, you can always follow me, of course, uh, Twitter on uh, hashtag AskCoachWolf, AskCoachWolf.com. That is my website. That's, well, obviously, you have sports parenting blogs and articles, books, and all other resources that AskCoachWolf.com. Uh, I want to spend some time this morning talking about uh, the key to coaching these days. Um, you know, I, I, I mentioned before the break that I've been getting some reports from the field that coaches are finding their way back to a more disciplined, more in-your-face kind of approach to coaching. 
I'm not really quite sure why this is. Maybe it's reaction to the Pollyannish but very popular coaching theme in the in the hit TV show Ted Lasso. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Ted Lasso, it's won all sorts of awards, came out last year. It's out with its second uh, uh, season this year. Uh, the storyline of this is that an American football coach who has a real corn pone approach to motivating his players finds himself hired to coach an elite soccer team in the UK. And Ted Lasso, who clearly knows really nothing about the sport of soccer, but he does apply his, his down-home, good-natured coaching style uh, to his baffled soccer players. And, you know, it's TV, and, of course, this works. It does make for good TV. It's very entertaining, even if the whole idea is clearly a bit naive. I mean, look, we all want our teams, to our kids to win and win a lot, but lots of hard work is required in terms of practice, running plays, repetitions. That's how our athletes know what our game plan is. But I am curious about about this Ted Lasso impact, because I don't think it's going to go away. Uh, I'm curious whether you think this is a good thing or a bad thing uh, when it comes to our, our world of sports today. And we're taking your thoughts and comments at one 337 Let's go to our good friend Jack uh, Smithland over in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Jack, uh, you're familiar with Ted Lasso, right? Lasso, yeah, Sure, I am. And, you know... You know, you're talking about the coaching styles and things like that. I went to a, you know, uh, an, an 8U championship game yesterday that was coached by a, a, a boy that I coached in the, uh, back in the um, 80s. Mm-hmm. And, he's coach- and he's coaching his son now. And I sat there out in left field watching, and I watched the intensity of the coaches and, and the disappointment in the kids. And I sat back and I wondered, I said, was I like that? I mean, seriously, you know, it's to the point where kids at eight years old should not be pressured by striking out or be, or even by losing the game or anything like that. You know, you see kids when the ball goes through their legs, they kick the dirt, you know, coaches are yelling at them. Now, Robbie Goldberg, the kid that was coaching that I coached back when he was eight and seven years old, mm-hmm. all the way up to when he was about 13. You know, he handled it perfectly. I mean, he praised the kids. And, you know, when, when coaches are trying, like you were talking before, before you even started talking about uh, the TV show, Ted, you, you talked about, you know, coaches getting back into the old strict type of, of style. Well, I'm going to tell you, at certain age levels, you can get away with that. At the high school level, you can get in their faces. Don't ever humiliate them. Don't ever embarrass them. Don't ever use inappropriate language. It's just uncalled for. It really is. And it turns kids off. You know, you get that mediocre kid that might have that possibility of branching and getting to the point where he is an elite athlete. That's right at the age where you're going to turn those guys off. All right? got to have – listen, I told you many times, Rick, and I've read all of your books, and your psychology book is fabulous. I read a book once by a guy named Omen, I think. He was a football player. He wrote Inside Out Coaching. It was all about coaching with the heart, from the heart, mm-hmm. okay, from the inside of your body, body out. You know, something that Rob talked about, something that you've always talked about, you know, we have to earn respect. Respect isn't just given. You just don't respect somebody because they say they're a coach or they're a teacher or they're a player. You respect, you respect them for who they are and what they do and how they treat other people and what type of person they are. Coaching is probably one of the, uh, and athletics are probably one of the biggest teachers in teaching us life lessons. 
And if you can't get to a kid and be that person's mentor, that person's teacher, guardian, you know, I didn't want to use that word, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, a, what a ridiculous name. I can't believe they came up with that name. What, what are they nuts? But, but um, you know, it's all about, and this guy, Ted, I mean, watching a couple of his episodes, you know, it's funny because I really didn't know about it until just recently, and I watched a couple episodes. He's exactly, he's exactly what, you know, you need that game, dancing with the kids, being, celebrating with them, you know, also being down and teaching them that, you know, disappointment is a big part of athletics and life and how to deal with it. So, you know, when you talk about getting back into your face type of coaches, in my opinion, Rick, it's not going to work. You have to, you have to, you have to know your players inside and out in order to deal with them with every type of problem they have. You know, you're going to see those kids probably, especially at the college level and high school level, you're going to see those kids probably more than their parents are, you know. So coaching is a very, very, you know, important tool today. And I gave a stat years ago on your show, you know, a couple of years back, that 90% of all kids in the middle school and high school level age group will go to a coach or a teacher with a problem before they ever go to their their parents. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're looking for coaches, when you're looking for coaches, you need that coach that you know you can trust, you can depend on, and you can actually be advised by in proper manners. And you know what? I love the show. I think it's funny. I think he's hilarious. Uh, you know, but, you know, and there, there's, a, there's a back door to that whole thing. You know, she hired him because she wants to get back at her husband. Oh, she yeah. I, it's fail. Yeah, I mean, it, right. it sounds like the plot from the uh, the classic movie. Speaking of the Indians, Major League, uh, you know. Yeah, but, Major League, exactly. Yeah. But you know, you mentioned uh, how important, and I, I really want to drill down this for a second, Jack. Uh, how important, how influential coaches are, and uh, the impact they have uh, on athletes, which go far beyond winning and losing and stats and so on and so forth. But oh, if you look upon, well, you know, if you look upon the the the, the legendary coaches uh, and how they conducted themselves uh, with their players. I mean, you go back to, obviously, to uh, John Wooden. Uh, you know, I always like to say, you know, Wooden, he rarely ever raised his voice uh, in practice uh, with his players. Uh, he always made sure, he's written about this in uh, many of his books, that to, you had to provide four or five lines of praise to each player for every line of, of uh, constructive criticism because he knew instinctively yeah. that kids are not going to listen to you uh, if you're always barking at them. And, and kids, we know, kids have very short attention spans and, and they will tune you out right away if they don't like what they're hearing from you. But they will come to you if you're saying, you know, good things and positive things about their game, their effort, whatever it might be. Uh, Vince Lombardi, known as a very, very tough disciplinarian to the outside world, uh, but he really, it was well known. He got to know each of his players on a really, uh, an individual basis, uh, in order to know how to, uh, you know, motivate them. Uh, and it made no difference whether he was dealing with the star players or the guys on the bench. He treated everybody as individuals and got to know them on that basis. And that was crucial to the loyalty he got and, and, and the performance he got out of his players with the Packers. Red Auerbach, another one, uh, you know, he was the same way. He, he, he knew how to get to the players and connect with each one of them. And, I, I, Jack, I know you and I feel the same way about this, and a lot of coaches feel the same way. 
if you're working with with high school or, or club athletes or college athletes, you have an obligation as a coach to get to know every one of those kids on your team, uh, not just your star players, but even the kids, more importantly, the kids on the bench. Because if the kids on the bench are feeling like they're appreciative uh, or you appreciate their efforts and that you're rooting for them and are doing the best for their best interest to try to get them in the game, I mean, they're going to they're gonna feel strongly and they're going to raise their game to the point where they make a big difference when they, uh, when they perform as well. And that's, to me, that's coaching 101. And maybe you know, Ted Lasso seems to have a lot of that about him. Again, it's kind of a... It's goofy because it's a TV show and he's trying to work with soccer right. players. He knows nothing about soccer, but it is that's the same, that's the theme that he, that's coming across. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, when you can build trust in your players, you know, listen, you know, if you're going to be a leader, the first thing and foremost, you got to you got to also understand how to follow. You know, the greatest leaders in the world, you know, they say leaders are born. I don't believe that. Leaders are, are taught mm-hmm. to be leaders. And, and they learn sometimes the hard way, you know, something that might have happened to them in, in, their, in their past as a, as a student or an athlete that turned them off. They say to themselves, that's not what I want. That's not what I want out of my players or to be with my players. Yep. So you learn sometimes the hard way. When I started coaching, I was, a, you know, I was a psycho, but I never, ever humiliated one of my players, you know, called them out in front of anybody or anything like that. You know, I mean, I got into referees' faces and everything. I mean, I hold a lot of, you know, records for being thrown out of games in my early career. <laughs> but I learned the hard way. And you know what? And sometimes it's, it's best to learn the hard way. But my goal as a teacher, as a coach, as a mentor, even as a parent, is not to make my kid the best athlete they can be. Because if they're not the best person they can be, they'll never be a great athlete. And they'll never be that type of person that I'm going to want my child to look up to. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I, when I teach and I coach, I, you know, one of the things that I'm doing right now at New Jersey City University with Ashley Martinez, and this, this person has the biggest heart you ever want to know, you know, and, and I'm, I'm bonding with the kids. I get in there, I get in their heads to find out what their situations are at home so that if there are problems, you know, I can seek out what's going on because when a kid has a problem telling you their problem, you're not going to help them. But when they can trust you to the point and respect you to the point that they can tell you the worst thing that's happening to them that day, then you've done your job. I, I your couldn't agree more. Jack, so, my thanks as always for your good insights. Uh, and, um, yeah, this is this – is, it's always good to hear and to remind coaches and, and teachers of, of what it's all about. Th- th- thank you, Jack. Let me uh, let me move on. Let's go to uh, to Steve in Manhattan. Steve, are you there? I know you've been waiting patiently. Uh, are you still with us? Yes, I am, Rick, and uh, I got psyched up for this call. Yeah, and, okay. Um, Brendan is still listening. Listen, psych out the opponent, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, could this audience visualize uh, Joe Pepitone, Pepe in a room with 10 sports psychologists, those sports psychologists would jump out the window. <laughs> and, uh, and I would like to send some of the coaches to a psychologist, you know. <laughs> but, you know, some of the professional athletes have used also uh, hypnosis they've used. Yep. Yep. They use visualization. The young guys should know that. And um, the thing is, I always say, I mean, listen, what are we looking for in a coach with kids? It's got to be someone who falls in between Mary Poppins and Vince Lombardi, you know, it's, there's no perfect coaches. 
A month ago, I said on your show, I was exaggerating to make a point. There are no bad coaches, only bad teams. Get off the team. I, I was just exaggerating. Of course, there are bad coaches. You've got to find another team. But I always say to young kids, you know, do your part. Do you, do you control what you control. You can control. Be the best conditioned athlete out there, the best prepared athlete in that game. That's what you do your part. Mm-hmm. You can always find another team in another school. That's not a problem. I also think uh, the parents should teach the kids about jealousy. If you're a really good athlete, some kids will like you, and some kids will be jealous of you, and they should learn that uh, that emotion that people have, where they'll try to rip you down and stuff. And it's all part it's just all part of life, folks. But the thing is, always be the best prepared athlete in that game. Well, to your point, Steve, that there are very few things we can control in our lives. But if you're an athlete. The things you can control are obviously, A, how much effort you put into your, your practice sessions, and B, uh, how, how, how well you listen uh, and absorb what the coaches are trying to instruct you with. Uh, you know, and then once you have the preparation and you have a game plan of what you're trying to accomplish, then you might find that you, you do succeed uh, more often than not when you go out and compete against other, other players, other opponents. But without that preparation, uh, and around that real sense of what you're trying to do uh, in order to, to, to win, you're not going to succeed. And, again, all those aspects you just mentioned, feelings of, of uh, envy, jealousy, whatever it might be, that, that becomes all part of the – it comes crashing down on you. So it is about preparation. It is about getting to the next level in terms of physical skills and, obviously, as you said through this entire hour, the mental preparation. But again, having a coach that really gets it, who understands uh, what you're trying, to, who you are and what you're trying to accomplish, and, and you feel that you can go and uh, and talk directly with the coach uh, on a level that is productive for both of you, then that that's a win-win-win across the board. Don't you agree? Right, exactly. You, you're right. Uh, but the coach has to build a trust in the kids. The people I've gotten along with well, they've trusted me. They can talk to me. They know I would never embarrass them or repeat yep. anything. They didn't want to repeat it. But to, so also the young kids today, they have a lot more tools at their hands than we had. They have YouTube. They can go on YouTube and watch Mickey Mantle drag bunt and watch that and learn how to, to do certain things and watch some of these great athletes. And the game, as you progress, remember, the game gets faster and quicker and stronger, and that also, that also becomes when you're the best conditioned and the best prepared athlete. But, Could, folks, I'll leave you with this. Just p- picture Joe Pepitone with a bunch of sports <laughs> psychologists. Can you picture that? Yes. Steve, thank you for your good thoughts. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. Kids today do have more resources uh, at, at their fingertips. Uh, obviously, YouTube, they can ch- see and train uh, for themselves as to how some of the greats uh, do their do their sports and how they go about their routines. And, of course, now this, this great website of MindDesignSports.org is something is another terrific resource as well. Okay, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks, as always, to Ed Arzuman. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.